Oh, what's up, filmmakers and moviegoers? This is Zach. And this is Eric. Uh, we are talking, uh, we're going a little bit back in time this week. Yeah. To uh, 1991. 90. 90. 1990. The movie uh, in our rewind segment is going to be The Hunt for Red October. Yes. Um, classic, classic espionage. Yep. 80s Cold War. We, you did, you picked the film i did you you shouted out hunt for red october yes being one of your faves and so we we made the decision yeah i can't remember what the context was last week yeah i don't remember either but i said you know like hey let's do it yeah and we've done we've done a couple of these now yeah um the last one we did was um gross point blank yes and that was fantastic yeah that was a really good one to to visit so um we brought this up uh oh i was we were talking about jack ryan's show on amazon yes yeah right and then I brought back, or brought up. The, now was that the OG Jack Ryan? Was Alec Baldwin the OG? Was he the yes. first actual? Like I did not realize. I didn't. Either. I totally forgot. That I thought Alec he Baldwin was, was even in this. I thought he was the second, because I thought the Harrison Ford ones came before this movie, but the Harrison Ford ones, uh, Clear and Present Danger, and Patriot Games. Oh yeah, that was like ninety two, a couple years later, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So nineteen ninety. Uh, the Hunt for Red October, Sean Connery mm-hmm. and uh, Alec Baldwin, and a bunch of other characters. Like Dude, actors it was and, like a, a massive, yeah, uh, cast. You said uh, uh, one of the Scars Guards is in this. The dad, yeah, right, yep. Alan is that his name? Um, no, Stellan. Stellan Skarsgård. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and his kids have gone on to do a, a million things now. Yep. Um, but yeah, of course, Sean Connery in. Maybe his last, no, not his, I was going to say his last great role, that would be The Rock. I think The Rock is is still pretty great um, with Sean Connery, uh, Michael Bay, uh, Nicolas Cage. Oh, right, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alcatraz, yep, you yep, know. Yep, um, But this movie just reminded me, I was like, man, Sean Connery was a good actor. And he got into some weird movies yeah. later on. You yeah. Know? You know, and, yeah, it was funny because... Um, he was super stoic in this film, which is perfect for that type of character. Right. Um, I think I think that worked really well in this because yeah. him trying to be Bond, but now he would be. He's. I mean, he's like seventy. Yeah, but even in, even when he was doing Bond, he was he was a lot more charismatic, mm-hmm. which is you know which fits for Bond. Right. And um, he didn't he didn't feel like. Oh, he's here's the Bond actor trying to do this thing. Right. I mean, he's got gears for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the I remembered this movie a lot better than when I rewatched it. It took way too long for it to really get going. Really. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it the the pacing for me just watching it now. As you know, thirty years later, twenty nine years later, and having all the experiences that I've had and understanding that more, um, yeah, I, I have a jaded look of it now. <laughs> Just gonna say, geez, you've been ruined by modern cinema. I have been. I've been. Um, well, and I and I think I've been ruined by by. Mm, Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't. It just did. So you had this, a you had a more nostalgic remembrance of this than yes. When than you this, so then you start watching and you're like, oh, I don't remember it like this at all. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I remembered, I, I remembered kind of the the dog fighting aspect mm-hmm. of it. Uh, I mean, that really intrigued me. I'm like, oh, they're like going off a of sonar and sound. Right. They can't see anything, obviously, and they're in this three dimensional space, kind of like. You know, if you're a fighter pilot in the air, but yeah. you can see. Right. So, it, you know, in that regard, it's different. You're using your ears instead of your eyeballs. But um, just the the intrigue of kind of that sub-warfare um, cat-and-mouse game, mm-hmm. that whole thing. And, and being and growing up through the Cold War and having those feelings and not really having an understanding of filmmaking and how it all ties together. I think they did an amazing job with the shots in making you feel like you're in this really confined space. Cause I've yeah. been in a submarine right. before, not just the one at Disneyland, but like yeah. in a legit for real submarine. Yeah. Um, and if you live in California, um, there's a Russian sub in San Diego that oh, you can okay. actually go in and walk through. It's a museum piece. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, just the feeling that you got and kind of the, the way the storytelling was, but it didn't really get going until about halfway through, maybe even a little That's more really than halfway through. That's, like that's he, so funny. That to, I mean, I thought this would be the this should be the opposite. Should be considering you're fifty. I remembered it oppositely, right? But then I watched it again, and I'm like, I could get up and make a sandwich, and maybe check my email. And, wow, <laughs> I, I, and I wouldn't was, have missed anything. I was engaged like from the beginning, mm-hmm. and I mean, and that's I don't know. Maybe I guess that's just our our different styles there. Uh, speaking on it but yeah i it may have also been because i came from just watching the jack ryan tv show and so that's eight episodes you know and it kind of slowly progresses as well and i i'm a pretty big fan of like spy espionage thrillers that aren't like the jason bourne movie i mean i like i like the bourne movies don't get me wrong but they're quick you know, yeah. and you, you're now living in a John Wick born universe yeah. where yeah. James Bond is now more Bond or more born than he is Bond in a lot of ways. Right. And so going backwards into a, a slower moving, like, shh, shh, be quiet. Like we have to listen for any noises down at the bottom of this ocean. Um, it's a, it is a lot slower, but to me that just like that built the tension. Yeah. I think they did. They did it well. The the use of the the use of um, the anxiety or the angst yeah. is used well. I would I would definitely agree there. I just I just feel like, and you know that, that's the challenge of going backwards on the on a rewind. Right. For I mean, put me in that space thirty years ago when that movie hit the theaters, and you know everybody was talking about like, oh my gosh, this is awesome! It's an instant classic, um, and just the mentality of it. Um, 
the green screen of them riding on the boat at yeah. the very end yeah. was very jarring. Yeah. I'm like, eh, this isn't working for me. Right. Um, but again, 90. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of products <laughs> of the time. and um, But no, I mean, I think it's fine that we have a different opinion on that. Like, Yeah. Um, I, I just think it's interesting that it, to me, like it's still held up for the most part, aside from some of the effects. Um, I actually kind of, I, I think I feel like I appreciated it more by being slower and, and I, I appreciated because I didn't quite remember like how Alec Baldwin's Jack Ryan gets onto the sub. I was like, how does he do that? I can't remember mm-hmm. how it happens. Um, you are right though, is that I had a memory of it being a lot earlier in the right. Mo- like I thought all of that happened a lot earlier and he was on that sub a lot yeah. longer, but it's really only the last 20 minutes of the movie. Maybe. Right. Um, and the rest of it is just, yeah, like you said, cat and mouse game um, between, an American sub and and this other sub, which the American sub, like all of the actors on that, are so good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's one character um, in it or actor in it, um, Scott Glenn, mm-hmm. who is the the captain of yep. that sub. Yep. And anytime he pops up, like he's such a great character actor. Yeah. And he's he's really solid in this. Very again, like stoic but American. It, they did a really great dro- a job of like. Uh, Americanizing these Navy people and then uh, and Russianizing these yeah. naval people, mm-hmm. um, because they they nail down kind of like what your what your brain and your your stereotypes think of like cowboy American. You know he's he's kind of he's talking from the hip and and he's being a little sarcastic and he's you know saying smart ass things and, and then the Russian side of it very matter of fact very straightforward very afraid of something going wrong. Um, whereas the American is kind of like, oh, let's see what happens, you know, um, because that's a lot of what that culture back then was, you know, from what I understand. And uh, it was it was really great to see kind of characters knowing how they should have been, you know, again, acting. We're, we talked about marriage, marriage story. And like, again, this isn't maybe not on the same scale emotionally, but um, it's it's just great when you see actors knowing what their character should be and like you know we we talk about um planning things out pre-production and story yeah and everything like that and characters are such a huge part of story and there's these things called character bibles um and typically it's the director and the actor they sit down and they say okay what does this character eat for breakfast even though it might not be on screen what does this character what's its favorite candy what's that character's uh, favorite color you know, and w- what kind of third grade um, accident did that character have? Right. And they shape kind of the the idea of who this character is on like a fully philosophical kind of just historical level. And it feels kind of like every, you know, kind of main character in this movie um, maybe didn't then go to that detail, but it feels very fleshed out. Every character yeah. feels fleshed out. They all kind of have their quirks and, mm-hmm. and uh, interesting aspects to them and um yeah i th- i thought it was just it was really well done um reminded me that alec baldwin can be a great actor even though he's mostly doing just humorous things now right um uh you know he's he's, he's not blowing me away in right. this um yeah. I, I think krasinski and even harrison ford were a little bit more interesting in this role yeah. um but still it was like he he hits kind of all those notes of like i'm just an analyst you know and i'm afraid of flying and like all of these things that if you watch the show you kind of understand and um in 
if you know the Jack Ryan series, because you know, based off com- uh, books from uh, Tom, to Tom Clancy, Clancy, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was uh, it was super interesting to go back and, and watch it and remember it and um, uh, the scale of it. I think is great. I think they do a really good job of the water scaling for the subs. Mm-hmm. You kind of yep. you don't ever feel like they're miniatures, even, even though they it's definitely dark. Are. I mean, it, yeah, it's dark, but you still, yeah, you get a sense of the scope of space, yeah. right? Yeah, and um, just again that that tension of you know shutting everything down so you can just listen in the yeah. depths of the ocean, which is just right. its own terrifying thing. Right. And then we're going to run right into the back of them. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, you just felt that you're like, Oh wait, here I know. It yeah. You're like, here comes you, the impact. Right. And, and, oh, I, and I and couldn't remember. It, yeah. I couldn't remember like yeah. from the first time I saw, it, I was like, dude, man, do they hit them? I can't. Um, and then just kind of the whole ploy, the whole design of the whole thing and like how they, get the Russians off the Russian sub without right. them thinking that they're working with the Americans right, and yeah. just a whole lot of stuff. And it's just clever writing. And, um, you know, again, I just, I feel like we don't get enough of those movies where they just kind of sit down and they, they, they slow, they slow the writing down mm-hmm. and they're not afraid to like let things kind of breathe. And they're not afraid to like have payoffs. Right. You know, yeah. um, introducing something early on that has a payoff later. and Okay, so talk about, we're going to talk about writing, we're going to talk about payoff. Okay, yeah. The cook. Yeah, right. Um, as I was doing some research on this, as we were going back, um, and I could be wrong, but from what I understand is the actor that plays the cook was originally supposed to be cast as... Um, Marcus Remus's character, the 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 captain, like Sean Connery's oh. role. Oh wow! Okay, and then couldn't do it because of whatever scheduling or whatever. But was but he still, could be there long enough. He was still able to, and oh, so wow. so think about that for a second. Hmm. And then he's the cook. Well, that's really interesting. <laughs> So right? he, he did mean, a one eighty on character. Yeah. yeah, talk about that, and then oh, he ends up being the guy that's like, yeah, he's a saboteur. I mean, it's, the whole, yeah, it's like right. a thirty year yeah, old film. So we're not spoiling yeah, anything. Spoilers run right over. He turns out to be the guy that's like. I mean, I could just imagine like he's yeah. bitter that he's not the that he can't do whatever, and so now he's going to sabotage the whole thing. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. Almost, he was just an actor on set that was right, really angry about like, it. It's like I'm changing this whole story. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. I know. I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I I could be wrong, but yeah. I, I might have read the the thing. I was you know I was googling stuff and I was going through some of the different. I mean, you know, excited to see Eric Selvig on there. Right. Um, you know, Marvel tie-in. We got lots of Marvel That's tie-ins. That's true. Yeah. Right. Um, well, this movie directed by John McTiernan, mm-hmm. who is probably most famously known for Die Hard. Yeah. Um, also directed Predator and uh last action hero and then he got into some i think some tax issues or something in the late 90s uh early 2000s and he's just kind of fallen off the the face of hollywood you know um hopefully he'll come back and do something eventually maybe, maybe he has I, I, just didn't, yeah. I didn't look but um very much a, a different style of movie to die hard mm-hmm. where die hard is very fast paced lots of going right. on lots of different set changes lots of different Things, well, you know, elements, and I can't you know. remember. I can't remember if um, 
Lethal Weapon had come out before that or after that, but before it, Die Hard, before Die I Hard, I believe so. Because it felt Star was eighty eight. Yeah, because uh, then yes, um, because it felt very influenced, like during that whole that that sure that you know that whole you know terrorist had a different definition back then than it does today, right? And um, you know which are usually some Eastern Bloc or some kind of yeah they know, are now South African you know just some kind of other crazy, um, you know. Not and that South Africans are crazy. No, <laughs> I mean I know so I know personally yeah. some South Africans and they're amazing. Um, and then some of them actually, we have three really good friends that are from South Africa, and and they said there are some crazy South Africans. Oh, so, yeah, I know. <laughs> but there are crazy everybody's. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's crazy Americans. There's crazy. I was watching. Russians, uh, side side note, I was watching um, Corridor Crew. They do these visual effects artist react videos. Uh huh. Yeah. And the one that they just uploaded, um, they were talking about um, Lord of War, which is the Nicolas Cage movie that takes place with, I think it's in Africa, um, but they have. Um, the opening scene and it's Nick Cage talking to the camera and he's telling kind of like where, you know, how the building a bullet, basically that whole process happens and starts and why and blah, blah. Um, I guess where they shot that was in a town in South Africa that like locals and stuff told them like, this is not a safe place to shoot this. Mm -hmm. And the director was like, no, it has to be here. I don't know why. Like, I don't look that up, but really, weird because it mm -hmm. the shot could have been anywhere yeah uh it, it could have been any run down looking you know poverty ridden place uh why they had to shoot it in i don't know i don't know it was really weird and pretty sketchy and and unsafe and uh, <laughs> basically what i'm saying is like if you're doing filmmaking like do it safely i mean there's no yeah, reason not to, the, to. well unless you're filming something that's you know, it's a documentary and some. This kind wasn't of, a documentary, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was a narrative where yeah. that backdrop could have been made on a set. Yeah. You know, in a back lot. Uh, but anyways, uh, cinematography was um, Jean de Bon, mm -hmm. um, who did Die Hard also. Yep. But then he uh, he also did another movie that we we might eventually watch. Another rewind. Yeah, uh, Flatliners. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, mostly because it's 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 neither good nor bad. Um, has lots of bad elements in it, yeah. but it's also very eighties. I mean, Flatliners was. Um, let's figure out how we can do Lost Boys yeah. in a different way with ghosts. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, because that's what it was. Really, I, I mean, mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, pretty much. I mean, I, I, you know, I was like, oh, okay, interesting concept. Yeah, the um, idea is there. I don't know if the execution was. Yeah, and uh, I didn't see the second one. They did a remake of oh, it. Oh, did they? Yeah, just a few years ago. Oh, I never and, saw it. And the same idea. Mm. Um, it's like a reboot. And I don't know if it was a, a, just a reboot or a remake. Yeah. It might have been a remake, and it was probably better. I don't know. I didn't see it. I didn't either. So. Well, who knows then. Um, but that's, you know, uh, Kiefer Sutherland in Flatliners and yeah. a couple other people that are... Um, Pretty big, which he's a super cool dude, by the way. I've met, I've met him yeah. a few times, and um, he has a record label. And oh yeah, one that's of the, right. One of the artists that he signed early on was uh, Rocco DeLuca, and oh, huh. so I was following him and doing some photography at some of the Rocco shows, and um, 
you know, and provided them with the images and whatnot. But uh, yeah, he he's really down to earth. That's cool. Super cool. Yeah. Um, we were managing a band that they both ended up playing at the same venue the same night um, as part of the same lineup, and it was, that was the first time that we met. But um, yeah, cool. Was cool. Cool. Hunt for Red October. The Hunt for Red October. Do you recommend it? I do. 30 years later. I do. Um, I think if for nothing else, just to kind of show like um, interesting, how stories can still be interesting in small to little no, to no locations. Right. Um, the majority of these take place in submarines. Right. Um, there's a few outside things, you know, on an aircraft carrier and stuff like yeah. that. And, um, by the way, there's this there's this random scene in the movie where a um, a pilot is coming in and there's something wrong with his plane. Oh yeah, and he crashes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't have anything to do with anything. Okay, here's you want to know why? Why that, is that that's in, in there? there? Because that really happened. That was in the news. Um, oh, like a so year they were just trying to tie it. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. They were trying to make it make you feel like the more. Like it was like more it was real. actually happening. Yeah, like oh, this is what okay. kind of really happened. Um, and and that was <laughs> the, those little details that you know, thirty years removed, like a whole lifetime removed yeah, from right. from when that happened. Like Cold War is not happening now. Um, and actually, you know, Russia is cool, and you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's residual of the Cold War attitude that floats around in our in our culture still, for sure. But but that's largely not the case, right? People aren't like you know. I I thought about this too after watching it. As I remember, as as a a young man growing up, um, you know, as a teenager, there was a very realistic fear that you lived with that man, somebody's going to push the button and we're all done, right? I mean that that was that like you legitimately felt that. Yeah, you got under your desks and, and now it's like and, yeah, yeah, not so much. Right? No, you're right. Could that happen? Sure, it, sure. From I mean, thirty those, other countries now. Yeah, and, but it's not like there's no there isn't that constant daily fear. Right. There isn't this bombarding from you know media propaganda that's you know. Yeah. The, this evil the, the Ruskies are on the, our doors. Yeah, yeah right. Even, yeah. Even though they, you know, they supposedly hacked the election last go round or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so again, that yeah. residual from that right. that Cold War. I don't, yeah. yeah. Well, I think what's interesting about it to me is that the movie starts in Russian mm-hmm. and then there's a transition. And yeah. um, it's it's really it's pretty smartly done. So he's reading, a, the guy in, um, in the bunk is reading a passage from, I, I can't remember what, what the book is, but or it's, it's either a book or just a quote, like a famous quote from a... a yeah, because he was actually reading the book because it right. was underlined or whatever, and it was his wife's. Yeah, so I have um, here, so the movie starts out in Russian, then switches to English. Uh, in an early scene, as the political officer reads a passage from a book which contains a quote from Robert Oppenheimer, the switch occurs on the word Armageddon, which is the same in both languages but pronounced differently. Right. So, visually, you're sitting in there, um, and then the camera does this 
um, slow lens zoom. It's not a dolly in. It zooms into the guy's mouth, and then as soon as it gets to Armageddon, uh, he starts from Russian to English. And now from here on out, the rest of the movie is in English, and that's kind of like your your reasoning for hearing everyone speaking English. And everyone else literally did speak Russian the whole first 10 yeah. minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, if, if it's that long, it might not be that long, but um, it's just that, that again is just really clever filmmaking and finding a way to, um, I guess, you know, get beyond people's subconscious or people's brains of like, why is this Russian speaking English in this Russian movie? Sure. And I think there was an attitude of subtitling back then too. Right. It was like, no, stay away from subtitling yeah. at all costs. And now there isn't that fear anymore. No. It's I, mean, like, I watch I, everything like, with captions on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's part of it, right? right? Is because, you know, maybe the audio levels aren't, aren't where they need to be or, um, you're watching late at night and you have a spouse or other people that are trying to sleep in the house and, um, you know, a myriad of different reasons. Yeah. And, and it's a lot more acceptable to have those subtitles and, and my wife can't hear that well anyway, like, like legitimately has some hearing loss and, and she always wants to have those on so that she can follow along even the parts that sure. she can't hear. So, I think the general public's attitude about those are different now. So, like, even if you had more, like, you're right. It is very creative for the time. Yeah. And how they made that transition. And because I didn't remember it being in sub, and we we had the captions turned on, and we were watching the subtitles when they were talking in the subtitle, you know, in the yeah, Russian it's hard hard coded subtitle, right? and so it was like uh, I don't remember it being subtitled, but actually it doesn't bother me. I'm like yeah. I'm used to it sure. now, and so, but yeah, um, so for me, even though I felt like it it got off to a slow start in the in the pacing. The pacing for me was um, was dragging um, up till you know about halfway through. I would still recommend it. It still it still falls in a classic category for me. I think um, just because uh, even though it's not a quote unquote period piece, it it's a it's a period piece. Yeah, right. Um, and because it it's a narrative of what was actually happening in the world at that time. And so, uh, the historical drama. Now. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's, <laughs> even though it wasn't then, but yeah, yeah. And it, 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 you know, it wasn't based on, you know, a set of true events per se, um, that we know of, yeah. but, uh, you know, just that idea of the tension right? and, and those, those political climates were very real at that time. So, there's a funny tidbit about this where um, the American government, um, Navy, I think specifically, uh, they called or they got a hold of Tom Clancy after this movie came out. And um, they asked him how he knew about this jet propulsion system that the Red October had, thinking that he had somehow gotten, like, it was so... Like, for real. It was so realistic, I guess, and so, like so well thought out and probable like possible mm -hmm. that he that the government thought that 
maybe he had some sort of insider information like that he did his research so well that he actually found this out and he had like somebody so they actually hit him up and were like how do you know about this all this stuff and but it turned out like it was just 100 percent fiction yeah and there is no sub that has that technology at least yeah. you know that that we know of and uh yeah it, but i thought that was crazy that like <laughs> they pulled it off so well and like yeah. and he also he also wrote you know there's a book version of this too and so which probably goes into a lot more detail yeah um but he probably just asked a scientist like if you were going to put a silent jet system in a sub how would you do it and then right. like you know the scientist probably said it and that's probably what the detail is in the book but yeah to sell it so well that you have government officials knocking at your door <laughs> like how do you know about this um and them thinking that it's real and you know being so scared about it right. that's just crazy but, but that's and i mean that that goes right into the whole fear-mongering that yeah. happened throughout the 80s right that fear-mongering was was like that was in your face culture yeah back then yeah yeah well uh i would i would definitely recommend it i think it's a classic um sean connery is great in it i think he's he's plays the perfect stoic uh captain uh sam neill's in this yeah uh, two years before yeah. jurassic park and yeah. uh he's great in it too uh alec baldwin alec baldwin does a good job scott glenn yeah um i was I, james I was, earl jones was, yeah james yeah. earl jones which yeah. that character is yeah. in the jack ryan tv show too so yeah. um played by a different actor obviously but uh yeah really solid man i yeah. just I'm, I'm glad i'm glad we're doing these i think these are very cool um to, to look back on it and hit them from i mean you especially this one you hit it from a modern modern lens yeah um to to say yeah maybe the pacing was slow yeah um i would love to it's too bad we can't kind of have that option of where right i can see maybe what it would have been like with a faster pace i mean we could download it and, and cut it ourselves but yeah um yeah i i'm curious if i would like this if it was a little bit quicker as much as i do as it currently is and um but anyways yeah so go check it out um it's not on anything but it's not but you can get it on amazon yeah, Prime, Amazon, itunes which i ended I up the spending Ray, so. i ended up spending five bucks for the rental on yeah. amazon prime for the the hd version or right. the 4k whatever it was and then um and then watched it on a 1080 screen, which didn't make any sense at all. Yeah. And then as I was doing, as I was digging into more of the research side of it, um, I, I also found out that I could have got it on YouTube for two ninety nine or or two ninety nine just for the SD version. Oh right, which would have been just fine. Yeah, on your on your laptop would have been fine. Yeah. Well, you learn. You you know you live yeah. and you learn. Yeah. But there you go, YouTube two ninety nine. You could go watch it. Um, it's good, man. It's, it's classic. It's slow, um, slow burn, but, uh, it's definitely, a a, a movie of yesteryear. Yeah. You know, in a lot yeah. of ways. So, yeah, it's great. It's great. I, I, I definitely recommend it though. It doesn't sit the same way it did 30 years ago. Fair enough. Yeah. Eric, where can they find us online? Well, they can find us on Twitter at the Easy Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at the Easy Podcast. You can find us on YouTube at the Easy Podcast Show. You can find Zach on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Abbott. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Eric Thurston. And if you have any questions, comments, complaints, or concerns, those all can be sent to Zach at the Easy Podcast Show at gmail.com. That does it for us, guys. Thanks, and we'll catch you next time. Bye bye.